0: People don't want to be transparent, do they? When you're broken, what, that's the last thing you want to do, right? When you're broken, you just want to stay in the shell of like, I don't want to let anybody in to see my brokenness. I want help, but I don't want help, you know? And so we have to help people get to that point where they're transparent, just as the crippled beggar was in Acts 3. Get to the point where they're like, yeah, I will take the help. I want what you have. I want that joy in Christ. I want that healing. I want that power. I want that strength. 1 John 1, 8 through 8-9. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. God's faithfulness, God's justice comes through every single time when we submit to Him. And He will forgive us our sins and purify us. From how much unrighteousness? Some of it? Most of it. All of it. He will purify us from all unrighteousness. So you look at the lives of the broken. You look at our lives when we were broken. Before we gave it over to Christ for repair. And the great physician. The one. The only one. That can purify us from all unrighteousness. He is here for us, and this is the big thing: when you confess your sin to God and ask Him for forgiveness, you are able to forgive others and let go of any resentment and bitterness you're harboring. Because I, I know, in working with the broken, with our recovery on Monday nights, I know this for sure: that broken people usually harbor a lot of resentment against whatever's causing that brokenness. And usually it involves other people. Okay, Broken relationship means another person caused this. I hate so-and-so. Helping that person let go of that is the big thing. Just as we let go of that. Just as we know that in order to understand God's love, we have to understand that we have to love not just our brothers and sisters in Christ, but every single person in this world, just as Jesus did. Um, You can go ahead and... One more. All right. Help them to be transparent and confess to God again whatever is causing the brokenness in their life. Two more scriptures I wanted to share here. Uh, Mike, if you would go ahead and read 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9.
1: Sure. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in my weakness. Therefore, I will boast all more gladly of my weakness. Weakness is, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me.
0: I love Paul just using the word weak. Because he understood that coming from the Christian killer that he was and feeling like everybody was against him because a lot of people, uh, a lot of Christ followers still didn't trust him. He had to win a lot of people's trust showing them that, hey, I'm really changed and I'm really here preaching to you. I love you. You know, he understood that the grace, the power, uh, the boldness that he was going to have had to come through Christ, so he emptied himself and let Christ in. And then Matthew 11, 28 30. Mike, if you would just continue read? Sure.
1: Come to me, all who labor, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I love rest. A lot of you guys look like I feel. I can
0: tell who only got three or four hours of sleep last night because I'm looking at some of your eyes and you're like, that's a great class time. <laughs> yeah. so I know, you know, you've been sitting for an hour plus worship and now our class and another class, so I know it's hard to sit for three hours, but um, when you have that You know, just that feeling of like, oh, I can rest, you know, I can relax. When one o'clock comes around and you're like, you know what, group, I'm not going to catch the bus with you. I'm just going to go to sleep. When you have that feeling of rest, that relaxing, that just getting to "Ah," just let everything down and just chill out, that's a great feeling. But it doesn't even compare to the feeling of rest in Christ, of understanding that, in a broken world and in our brokenness, we can let go of everything and give it all over to God. And He will shoulder the burden for us. Not partially, not mostly, but completely. All right, let's keep going. Um, all right, the events in Job's life may be the earliest biblical record of heartbreak. I mean, you think of Job, you think of everything he went through, and all the heartaches and all the pain. And, and just to see how God restored Job. Uh, then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I come from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. This is after he lost everything. The Lord gave and the Lord, guess what? He's taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He doesn't say cursed be the name of the Lord. He said blessed be the name of the Lord. Helping the broken get to this frame of mind. This statement. To be able to say what Job said. For us to be able to say what Job said. And really understand that. God brings the repair. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Whatever we get, whatever we don't get in this lifetime, whatever we're given, whatever we're taking away. My mom's dealing with cancer right now, so I understand where Mackie's at. You know, And I just found out this morning that my aunt has a brain tumor. So now my mom's sister, who just uh, moved to St. Pete and lives a mile from my parents, now she has a brain tumor, and she may die. And it may or may not be cancerous, but there's a good chance it is. So our family's going through a lot. And all I know is that God gives, God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's not me saying that. Uh, I mean, I am saying it, but that's my mom and my aunt saying this. That's awesome. Powerful Christian women going, you know what? Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I'm just like wiping my tears away going, ha ha. That's awesome. I love your faith because that's the faith I want to have. And this is the faith that we need to give to the broken. And this is the faith that's healed us of our brokenness. Um, Go ahead and move along. All right. Uh, Keep going. I don't know if we're going to have time for everything. All right. Help them know that they are given grace instead of judgment. That's another big thing. Help them know that they are given grace instead of judgment. Do we skip number three? Go back, go back, sorry. Alright, help them not to slander. Help people not to slander. Panel, how have you guys helped people that just, they don't know God, but yet they want to blame God? Have you guys ever known anybody like that? They don't know God, but they blame God for everything. But yet they're not Christians. So how can they blame God when they don't believe in God? It doesn't make sense, does it? How do you guys uh, work with people when they want to blame God, but they don't know him? How do you keep people from slandering and slandering others and really coming to that state of going from pride to humility to give it all up to God?
1: That's a, a very tall task. Um, in my experience, a lot of the stuff that I do is with 12-step recovery groups, and if you've ever been to one of those, you will know that the, the just mentioning God or Jesus in the room, and the, you can feel the resentment bearing down on you. It's a, it's a difficult place to be. These people, have, in their perspective, have been shortened or, or, or somehow have been messed up. Now, the thing is is that they, they don't necessarily see the, the truth for what it is. Like we know, as, as learned Christians that there's like a dividing line where there are things that God is going to do for us because we can't, right? I can't wash away my sins. God's going to and Jesus is going to do that for me. But what I can do is read the Bible. What I can do is show up to church. What I can do is try and reach out to other people and just try and be a good person. So they, they miss the part where there is a section that they are supposed to do, that they need to do, that God's not going to do for them. And when they don't do that, they don't get the big benefits and, they, and their life doesn't go well and, they, and it's very easy to blame God at that point. Well. You know, it's like uh, taking a test and not doing your homework and not reading anything, and you fail it, and then getting mad at the professor for making a difficult test. Ah, well, very easy to do that, right? But you have to study. You have to work at it. And and just on, on the topic of uh, getting people who are who are very upset at God or, or very upset at Christians in the past, uh, they're like, here's the truth, right? Here's the truth. They're waiting to see. If you are who you claim to be, they don't care about what you say. They're waiting to see what you do. And that's it, right? They're, they're waiting. They want to buy in. But if, if, if you say like, oh, I love you so much. You're an awesome person. I want to help you. And you never call them. You never check up on them. You never see them again. And you don't follow up and, and, and try and help them they're not going to believe that, that Jesus is really there for them. They're not going to believe these things. We are, we are the hands that, that, that reach out, that are supposed to be there. And they're waiting to see that. I mean, as much as they hate God, as much as, as resentful as they are, they're still waiting for it. And I found people receptive who at one point are just absolutely diehard against Jesus they, they're just very confused about things, and they just need to be shown a little bit of love, and it all turns around and gets better.
0: Thanks, Mike. Did you hear what Mike said? Repaint the picture of Christ for people. Uh, or in in some cases, give them the first picture of Christ that's real, that they've seen, that's tangible, by continuing to follow up with people. Sometimes we do an awesome job of meeting people where they're at the first time, but we do a terrible job sometimes of following up with people. We have to follow up if we expect broken people to give their lives to Christ just as we did. Because you think about who worked with you and brought you to Christ, it was usually a steady hand. Some of you that were baptized at 12 or 13 like me, even in those cases you had the consistency of a loving family family or a parent, Christian parents that said, I want you to be Christian. I'm going to exemplify that for you. I'm going to take you to church every week, but it has to be your decision, but I want to exemplify that for you. Others of you that have come to know Christ later in your life. Uh, that got baptized later in your life. For you guys, somebody was the role model, and I guarantee you they were a consistent role model in your life. So in order to give that to somebody else that's broken, you have to be that consistent role model to them. Thanks, Mike. Uh, Darren or uh, Kim, get your knife, ready
2: No. Where do I got pocket knife? I like don't have mine with me. It's kind of odd. Really awesome. What's your knife? What's your knife?
0: It, it's dark. It's dark. Uh,
2: here's this is a little down. bit scary that we're handed multiple parts. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm going down on this table. I've got an extra kidney. I just want you to start out like right here and go for it. Okay. No. Okay. Awesome. Um, By the way, Anyway, um, and I know it's kind of a ridiculous example, but that's the same thing as somebody blaming God who has never relied on God in their life. You're sitting there and and you're talking about why is all this bad stuff happening and it would be the same thing as allowing her to perform surgery. You know, I've had all these negative things, all these bad things happen in my life, but I am letting a moron perform a lobotomy. Not that you're a moron, by the way. Um, But you know, you kind of get the point. And that's the same thing. You're sitting there talking to somebody who is blaming God. It's like, okay, have you ever, ever tried to rely on Him? Well, no. So maybe He's getting your attention that your way, it won't work. And it's when you actually start relying and trusting on God, that's when you're able to see Him working in your life. You can't sit there and not sow any seed, not perform any work, but expect to receive the benefits. You know, you've got to rely on God, trust in Him, call on Him. Then you're going to see Him start to work in your life. You can't blame Him when you've never tried to let Him do anything for you.
0: That's all. That's that all mentality you're talking about with your credit card analogy earlier, Kim.
3: think so many times that's such an open door because people want we have like this God shaped hole in our hearts and we're trying to fit it with like these other shaped objects and so people know like we know we're lost we know that we're not fulfilled and so when God when the guy conversation comes up I'm like oh yeah open door And, and I just go for it in a way that's like Wow, so you've thought about it. Like, you've thought about blaming God, so you've thought about trusting him. You know, you've thought, and even people who who don't have their faith in the Lord, but um, I ask them if I can pray for them, and they say yes, and I'm like, open door. And... Because that's how I can reach out to the broken when they're just a little bit acknowledging that. And I think of the fact that I didn't have the opportunity to grow up in the church. And cultural Christianity is not, I don't want to be a part of that. Like, this is what I want to be a part of, this. And so when we can show them the truth of God's word, like, that helps them feel like that helps people not to slander and so I reach out to them in a place where I've been there like I've suffered without Jesus and I've suffered with Jesus and it's super better suffering with Jesus in my brokenness and using that comfort that the Holy Spirit gives me to witness to them in their distress in, in a way that's like, hey, this is who God is and this is the peace and joy that he wants to give you in the midst of these trials. Thanks,
0: Kim. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Mike. Point then to Jesus Christ. How did Jesus Christ handle slander? Very well, I think. Alright? Jesus Christ, well, there's no I think to it. Jesus Christ suffered the cruelest injustice in all of history. His undeserved death on a Roman cross. But this is what he did. But he did not protest or slander his accusers. Instead, he said, Father, forgive them. Let us follow Jesus' humble example. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. The broken people in this world, they do not know what they do. Help them follow Jesus' example. Point them to Jesus as their lord and master. Alright, number four. Uh, Actually, I'm going to go ahead and read that. Titus 3:1. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, "...deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration, and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior." So that being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope to eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently. How are we to speak to people? Confidently. We have the greatest confidence in Christ. So that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. All right. Number four, help them know they are given grace instead of judgment. One of the biggest ways to turn them from slander, and this last point here, is help them know they are given grace instead of judgment. Matthew 7, 1 and 2. Mike, read you that? Absolutely. And also Ephesians
1: uh, 1, 8, 9. Sure. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with measure you use, it will be measured to you. That was Matthew 7, 1-2. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast.
0: right, it's not by our own works... That we're saved. But the works we do, the deeds we do as Christ followers are a result of what God's done for us. Of His saving grace and mercy. That's why we do what we do. And that's why we want to please God so much and glorify God so much. Gordon Zach acted a great class uh, in here yesterday talking about that very thing. And that our confidence and boldness comes from knowing what God's done for us. Sharing that with other people. That's what we've got to do. Helping them know they are given grace instead of judgment. Go ahead and advance. Uh, Titus 2, 11 through 14. Kim, would you read this one? Titus 2, 11 through 14.
3: For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself... For us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify us for himself, a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works.
0: I love that last part of the scripture there. I love it, love it, love it. He gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people, a people, a people everybody over there, everybody over there, everybody that is a Christ follower doing it this way by God's word. A people for his possession. But he died so that all people would become his possession. We come from God, he wants us back. He wants us all together in heaven. A people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Zealous is not a word to be taken lightly. Being zealous means all it's like being like Kerry Cox. It means being crazy on fire for Jesus Christ. Zealousness means being able to give up your own life. It means self-sacrifice. Just as Christ gave his life for us, we give our lives for him, for the cause of Christ, for his cross, and helping people understand this. Hi. Right. What kind of brokenness has God rescued you from you from sorry? What kind of brokenness has God rescued you from in your own past? How and who might you help share God's rescuing power with? We're going to let you, just as we do in our Gators of Christ Wednesday night peak of the week class, when we have our Bible classes, we always try to give time the last five minutes or so for you guys to talk amongst yourselves. Um, But on that last point, before we answer this question, panel on that fourth point, um, have you guys been able to, or what was one of the last instances in which you were... Able to share with people uh, that they are given God's mercy instead of judgment. Um, how have you guys had that practical experience in, uh, or one practical experience in sharing God's mercy with somebody and helping them understand that over the judgment, the guilt they feel? Um, we come to God with guilty lives, obviously, and he's the one that cleanses us, but helping them see that great mercy uh, and that saving power of His sacrifice. Um,
2: probably the mo- most relevant example for us is that we moved from um, Huntsville to Gainesville here about five years ago. And during that time, a um, and folks, you remember the, the nursing, the board that's right there near the hospital where it's got like a nurse picture on there and has the doctors and stuff? They usually put the nurse of the year for Alabama on that. That was my wife. Uh, she, she was like the she was the nurse of the year. So I was proud of her. Hey, she, you know she's on that big billboard, and uh, and she was the nurse of the year for in Alabama. Um, I, I did a lot of things up there. Really involved in the community. Uh, ran a uh, an organization called uh, Ovation Arts. Where I was the president for the board of directors. Where we did a lot of different things up there. Uh, Christina and I were really really well known. In the area, kind of—I mean, you know—because you you know, obviously her face is on a billboard for crying out loud. They walk by, and say, "Hey, that's the nurse." Um, you know, there are a lot of things that we did, and Chris, people would see all oh, the, "Hey, it's the Caulfields. and it's awesome. It's great to see them, and in all of that. Christina and I were never any more farther apart from each other than we were right before we found out the—you know—my job was shipping me to Gainesville. And while, for worldly standards, hey, we're doing great, spiritually, Christina and I were dead. We were looking for comfort in other areas other than each other. We were, and really weren't making any bones about it. Having discussions of the fact that I don't like you. We've been married 17 years. And, you know, but we seriously having conversations with each other, just, hey, you know, I don't like you right now. Sorry. I'll always love you. I don't like you right now. And and that was, you know, and then those places, I'm about to move from my home with that. And for that time frame, Christina and I were broken. But there are a lot of prayers that, that started going up. And this is actually prior to the move saying, Father, please. She's the mother of my baby girl, my son. Please help us. And the answer was, okay, right, y'all are moving to Florida. We're getting out of Huntsville. We're getting out. Where where you know everybody knows you because it's not good for you. And he moved us to Gainesville, Florida where we knew no one. And and I can remember also at a point in time praying God I want to get involved because I was working with the the college the, the high school kids at our church but it was a smaller congregation um, and high school and there were only a handful of kids I was like Lord I really would like to be able to get more involved and and I met. And then all of a sudden, I went from working with <laughs> I went from working with six or seven kids to where well, is a hundred college kids, and holy cow! And and you know, and I said, hey, would you mind teaching? And I'm like, uh, okay. And he puts me in a class, and I'm studying for it, and I'm like, Man, this is fun. And, and and I start working with I start working with GFC and and, and then Christina and I it's, it, because the only person that I could rely on if I had a problem while I was in Gainesville it wasn't like I could go and find the guy that I would always go talk to and say hey man we need to go out because he won't go drive ten hours and uh, and so I started relying on each other. Christina was relying on me and so if there was a problem I wasn't going to someone else I was going to God and I was going to my wife and it's amazing how all those relationships so I was trying to explain earlier when I decided to be all in when I put my faith in God <laughs> as I said Christina and I have been married 17 years and I thank God every day for her. Do we still have disagreements? Well, yes, we're married. But, you know, she, she's my baby. She's my wife. Nothing's coming between us. But that is because the two of us have put God first. We decided, you know, we, we, we didn't need our friends. We didn't have to have our family. We didn't have to have our jobs. We didn't have to have all these other organizations that we were, we were working with. We just needed God. And we needed each other. And that was it. And once we had that mindset, once we knew that it's God, it's you, and that's it. The last five years have been absolutely incredible. And I'm honestly thankful to tears because because of Donnie, because of these guys, it, it has been incredible. Because I'm able to, I've got a passion now, going out and teaching and working and doing doing the things that I get to do, do, working with people at work. It's it it is incredible, but it all has to do with the fact that yes, I'm all in. There's no there's nothing else. It's God. It's Chris. And we can conquer the world
0: amen thanks two minute drill we're almost out of time two minute drill answer this question with your neighbors this is the person next to you what kind of brokenness has God rescued you from in your past and how and who might you help share God's rescuing power with somebody tangible you know that's broken go two minutes